This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Today, it is truly my pleasure and honor to have a conversation with my VIP guest, Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. Dr. Bakhtari is the CEO of E-National Testing, E7 Health, and U.S. Drug Testing Centers. Dr. Jonathan, Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, has been a triple board-certified physician with over 20 years of clinical, administrative, and entrepreneurial experience. He is a preeminent pre, national and business thought leader interviewed in the Washington Post, USA Today, Forbes, Barron's, and many other national publications. Welcome to Secrets to, uh, Secrets to Win Big, Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. Oh, thank you for having me, Arjun. It's a big honor. Thank you. So, Dr. Bakhtari, the first thing I want to thank you again for your unique perspective in the medical field. Right now, more than ever before, the field is going through an amazing change and evolution. And from a layman's point of view, when I look at a lot of medical practices are getting focused on processes and content based. As I started looking at your work, I started right away realizing that you are future proofing medicine and patients. In a way, I felt and saw hope in a better future because of the work you're doing. So what's the reason you got into the profession and evolving into future-proofing medication, medicine? Well, thank you for that introduction. And uh, it's uh, uh, I've been looking forward to being on the show and thank you for having me. Um, in terms of you know how we approach or how I approached uh, the field of medicine, initially I was just uh, your typical straight arrow wanting to uh, get involved in clinical medicine and, and making an impact and helping people that way. Uh, and as the journey continued, uh, I realized that there was other ways to make an impact in addition to clinical medicine. And so slowly, slowly over the years, I added on different uh, administrative responsibilities and experiences. Uh, and it was it was a process of just evolving from one thing to another. Uh, it was not a... Um, it was not a uh, epiphany where I just woke up one day. It was it was a process. So um, that's what I would have to say. So two questions. I think you talked about the spirit of always evolving. Can you tell me a little bit more where does that come from? Because that I think is such an amazing celebration of human spirit to always evolve. Yeah, I think you know when when you go through the medical field, you're always training and you're always growing and you know you're you're. So when you're studying to go into medicine, it is, you know, an evolution. You're first you're a medical student, then you're an intern, then you're then you're a resident, you're a fellow, you're an attendee. So I think most people who go through the traditional path of medicine are very dialed into that their next year is going to be more growth than this year. I think it's only when you kind of get to the end of the clinical road that you kind of throw your arms up and say, okay, I'm just going to do this for the next 50 years or 30 years. Uh, but we're all, you know, the people who are in the profession are all used to 
evolving and growing. So I'd like to think it's sort of baked in the cake for most physicians. Uh, I think a lot of them just stop once they get to the end of the clinical road because they don't see options out there and they have to go looking for them and they're not easy to find unless you you make a concerted effort to to blaze a different trail. So I think it's in our DNA because that's how we got to where we are. We just have to continue the process for, for those of us who want to go an alternative path after they finish the, you know, climb the mountain, after they finish climbing the mountain, as it were. I love that. And the second thing you talked about is the importance of a process. Could you help me understand a little bit about what your process is, how your mind works, please? In terms of our business side or entrepreneurship side, I, I think we our, our, our strategy is try to come out and provide products and services that don't just move the needle a little bit, but actually make a dramatic impact and leverage technology as much as you can so you have a real likelihood of success because the more you can leverage technology to impact people's lives uh especially in healthcare uh the 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 results are exponential how many people you can impact so it's not simply you put in this kind of work and and like in clinical medicine you see one patient at a time which is good but uh if you want to maybe impact thousands or hundreds of thousands of people there are opportunities out there uh, if you're willing to try to solve these problems, leverage technology, and think how how your your system can have the most dramatic impact on the most people. Something you just said really resonates with me is exponentially increase the impact on the lives of people. Mm -hmm. So taking a step back, when you wake up every morning, you mm -hmm. are trying to make an impact in people's life. What's the one thing that jumps out in your mind? What gets you excited when you wake up in the morning about what you will do that day? <laughs> okay, that's a loaded question because we have so many different views we're looking at. But I, I think healthcare in the United States is, you know, on some level amazing, but on some level, the most common theme, thing I hear from my patients from friends, family, is that it's a massive obstacle course to navigate the healthcare system. And what gets me excited is when we can buck that system and make healthcare, you know, more Amazon-esque, if that's a word. You know, three clicks and you get what you want, not three months and clipboards of papers to fill out. And if we can make healthcare more... And again, I don't want to compare it to ordering a widget on Amazon. It's not the same, obviously. But if, but if we can get it more in that direction, reduce barriers for people to get what they need, um, I think that's a win. That's a win. So what gets me excited is whenever we buck the system and, and come up with something that uh, reduces friction for the patients, for the staff taking care of them. You know, I read this... Uh, research studies that say said about 80% of a typical doctor's visit, the doctor staring at the screen at a computer screen. 
it just kind of gives you, you know, among all the other obstacles, you know, technology is supposed to make us be more free to take care of patients, uh, not actually make us a slave to it. So even looking at technology, you have to use technology in the right way. So uh, healthcare can be really what it's supposed to be, you know, a, a one-on-one relationship with between the healthcare provider and and the patient. Like that a lot, especially the sentence in a statement from you about make healthcare more Amazon like Amazon esque, like, like that. And you know, what could relate it to me was yesterday I was at a hospital for a routine doctor's visit. I filled the form online. When I walked in, I filled the form again. And then when the nurse was asking me, she asked me again mm-hmm. what my height was and what my weight was. Right. You know, I just could not think my height or weight would change between night and <laughs> now. Or I thought it's a trick question. Whether yeah, <laughs> see how your memory is. How my memory is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the fact that in a service industry, I think that I think is huge. What you are talking about is we are one individual. How I get treated at different service industries, mm-hmm. I think that over time needs to also get because at the end it is the care of the industry that is huge. Right. Well, I think, I think, you know, people always tell me other, you know, healthcare companies and doctors tell me, oh, we have a new electronic health records system that's going to revolutionize everything. And people boast about how much technology, you know, healthcare has these days. But despite all that, despite this amazing technology, you know, what happens when you go to a doctor's office and go to the waiting room? What do they give you? They give you a clipboard. Uh, that doesn't sound electronic to me. So there's something not 100% right with that. I mean, I think we, we've made a lot of stride in technology, but I think Amazon and, and other companies are eating our lunch in terms of their ability uh, for example, if you wanted to know what you ordered on Amazon two years ago, what would you do? You just log in on your phone and see what you ordered two years ago. If you wanted to know what test you had at the hospital two years ago, uh, it's not going to be like logging on to Amazon. It's going to be a process. So um, I think I think there's a false sense that healthcare technology has really you know, made amazing strides to, in, in ways that other industries uh, have. I think the you know, healthcare is definitely takes a back seat to the other industries. And I think, you know, maybe it has, but what you are sharing is really brilliant is from a patient point of view, I'm not seeing the leaps and bounds of making my life. Mm-hmm. So right. I, that would be the next phase that is there. And I just have to take a dig or a shot at the medicine profession. But I do that with a lot of lightness. Is This is the only profession yes. where the service provider tells me that they are going to practice on me and I need mm-hmm. to. Okay. So think, if I went anywhere else and mm-hmm. said, I'll practice on you, you have to be patient. Like I just really always find <laughs> In that, but I really think it's a lighter note, fully appreciate. But the second thing that hits me is, you know, in our pre-conversation today and right now, there's something in you personally that you're present. Okay. That to me, as a patient anywhere, 
I am in front of a doctor, if a doctor takes that extra second to acknowledge me, because think, this is the only area where I don't have a backup plan. Right. Like if I come to you for a condition A, B, or C, mm -hmm. unless it's catastrophic and taking a second opinion, like you are the chosen one. You are, <laughs> and I think that's the part where that personality, the way you are caring and you thinking about it, I really feel is a big deal. Oh, thank you so much. Um, you know, I think all, all most practitioners realize that they're in, that it's a privilege to be in this kind of position and realize how much when you're seeing a patient they're like hanging on to every word you say and how much they're they they're entrusting you and i think most of us uh get that and understand what an honor it is to be put in that position where people literally a stranger walks into your office you know, takes off half their clothes and lets you examine them and tells you things about their lives that they would never do in any other profession. Uh, you know, what an honor it is to uh, have that um, respect from, from you know, the, the public. And it's, but, it's, but it's a responsibility. It's an honor. It's, it's, you have to take it seriously and you have to really understand that even even the jokes you make around a patient have an impact on them. I mean, what 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 did that joke mean? I mean, how does that relate to me? And yeah, is he trying to tell me something that he's, you know, everything you say, you do, how you walk in, how you sit down, do you make eye contact first? Do you do you listen to every question? Do you respond to every question? Do you seem to be in a rush? Do you seem to be present? Patients are. It's so important to them, that relationship, that communication, that you have to be cognizant. And I, t I try to tell my medical students, you know, you have to be cognizant that uh, you're in a special role and they're hanging on to everything you say, everything, even in how you turn your head or if, you know, if, uh, if somebody interrupts, the nurse interrupts the conversation, how you handle that conversation, they're watching, they're, they're looking and sizing up because they've given you so much trust and you need to understand that that's, that's a big honor and you have to, you know, you have to deliver. So this is the part, Dr. Bakhtari, what you just shared elevates to beyond your profession. That phrase of yours, how to honor the trust is such a elevated learning for all of us and I'm so appreciate you taking the conversation there. In your case, as you said, in a medical profession, it's the highest level of trust. But there is trust everywhere. Any mm -hmm. giving my credit card information, I'm doing <laughs> I really think what you just literally took me to school today is before you ask for trust, you really need to look at how will you honor the trust. Like, I really think that part of the conversation, this is gold. Mm -hmm. and shit. So I want to pivot this and put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a little game, and I'll even tell you, it's a fun game. I would request you to tell me three things, words or phrases that you would use, you would use to describe yourself. There's a little catch. Mm -hmm. I've asked three people, and all of them admire you a lot. The same question. 
So I want to ask you first, and then I really want to celebrate you to talk about what people think about you. And I really want to create a profile for our audience of who this amazing doc Dr. Bakhtari is. So what would be three words or phrases that you would use to describe yourself? Oh, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that others would use or I would use? Uh, uh, if I'm introducing you at a conference, what would be? I see. It's great. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I I think whether it's in my personal life, whether it's in my professional life, uh, or everything in between, uh, I, I think honesty, being genuine, being in the moment, and and caring. I mean, it, these are the cruxes of my relationship with my family, my professional, my my relationship with my senior staff. Um, it's uh, do you actually care, or you know, and what does that caring mean? So uh, I think I try to, you know, I, I just actually did a podcast on this, you know, and I talk about if you take a course pass fail, are you still going to try to get an A? And that's what I tell people. Even if the course is pass fail, get an A, right? Because it, that's throwing yourself into something caring and not having, you know, two, three different products that you can put out, right? Okay, so this is the product I'm going to put out because I'm not really into this as much as this other thing. So this is the product. Now, you know, can you, can you deliver the same product no matter what the situation and who the person you're dealing with or the circumstances and, and being genuine and caring? Uh, I'm not sure I'm always that i mean i i strive to be that and hopefully uh i try to get there uh that's really how i have an approach so my approach is just be present be caring and uh there is no you know b product you always give it your a product so what i heard was be present genuine caring be in the moment and no b product so before I share what others talked about, that example about in a pass-fail course, how you push yourself and be the consistent one you, I really think that's very important. You cannot on sometimes put half an effort and choose because it doesn't work. Because growing up, my grandma always told me, mm -hmm. integrity is what you do when nobody's watching. The same mm -hmm. best of effort is because you're putting it for yourself, not for an external validation. Mm -hmm. Now, going to the fun part. So this is, these are the three sentences people use, three different individuals to describe who you are. Number one, cons consistent motivator who does not mind sharing his experience and knowledge. Number two, one of the most inspirational and motivational leaders or mentors I've ever worked with. And number three, always willing to drop whatever he is doing to help you in any way he can. And as I started reading this, I started feeling more committed to do the interview by saying, I really have to talk to you. And five minutes before our starting time, I was like, I really hope he shows up today because I really <laughs> want to talk to him. Because that the essence of all three of them is a dimension of genuineness and giving. Okay, Because to me, I really feel there are three 
groups of people. Group one who are really good. If you look at x-axis, they're really good at what they do. Y-axis, these are people also add, they're having fun, passionate about what they are. But the third axis to me is the most important. These are people who know the impact they're making and they give to others. That is what raises the world. And I really like how you described and added a dimension of Nobi always put the A effort and how people describe. And, you know, you have earned it. I really appreciate, you know, them sharing. And it really made me warm my heart in the process. Well, well thank you. Uh, I, honestly, I, I think it's something that almost every professional that I, I come across has that component of, you know, and I think I, that's the definition of a professional where you care and you give your best product. It, it, when I teach my people that I mentor what it means to be a professional, those are the two things I say. If you're a professional, you, you know, you, the same product's going to come out every time and, and you're going to care uh, about the person, the situation. So, uh, I, I think uh, it goes with uh, it goes with being a professional. Whether you're a landscaper, whether you're you know you take care of pools, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a doctor, you know what makes and all of those people potentially a professional. You know they just put out their best game. That's all. That's the only game they know how to put out, and they care. So that's all of us who are professionals kind of understand that that's what. It's all about. Brilliant. So now let's talk about some inspirations. I would bet you have worked with amazing leaders who are who have inspired you. I'm not asking to choose one. Just if you can just choose any, the work of one of the many that have inspired you. Who is that one leader and what about that person inspired you in your journey? Yeah. That's really a good question. So I've been so fortunate um, to have a lot of mentors uh, throughout my career, um, and several stand out. But the the one that stands out the most is really a, a model for many of the other ones. And um, without uh, embarrassing him, um, he is an industry leader in what he does, and despite being like the Michael Jordan of his industry, uh, he has time and energy to help almost anyone in the industry, literally by answering the phone and helping even a stranger who's in his industry that has a question. So this idea that uh, there's some quid pro quo, quo to how you conduct yourself, that there's got to be something in it for you, um, it just... It just doesn't cross his mind, uh, and I was—I uh, mean, I like to think I'm a little bit like that. But when I when I got to see him, you know, full throttle, it was amazing um, how genuine and giving he was to anyone who needed his input or help. So, uh, I, I think those are the people I, I, in some small way, I try to model myself after. I don't know if I'm even remotely there, but. That those are the things that inspire me, and th those are the the people you want to really model yourself after. Brilliant. So, Doctor Bakhtari, if there's all these life lessons, mm -hmm. if there's one lesson you can take to tomorrow, what mm -hmm. is? 
important lesson that you have learned that you're taking to tomorrow? Are you talking about in life or in business or what are we? Business, hmm? Life preference, yeah. You know, I, I guess the way I would answer that question is if I could go back and speak to myself 20, 30 years ago, what secrets would I tell that that person? Um, and I, I, I think the main thing is for me uh, to understand that a lot of the skills that I may have right now were skills I had to learn. And people think, you know, being a leader or being a CEO or whatever are, are soft skills. Like, you know, you just, you're a nice person. So you can be a CEO and you can be a leader or people like you or you have a good sense of humor, but you need, you need specific skills to lead, motivate and manage people. I don't think I knew that 20, 30 years ago. Uh, I wish I did because I would have gone out and gotten them sooner. Uh, a lot of it was, I had good mentors I learned from some was trial and error but I didn't realize that how you motivate, how you build culture, how you hire fire, how you instill you know, motivation is not a soft skill. It's like landing a 747. It's like it's a technical skill that you need to acquire by going out and finding mentors who will teach you. Uh, you know, the analogy I give is if I'm going to have this, if I'm going to make the same statement to 10 people in my organization, I may have to serve a, that same statement up 10 different ways because of who I'm talking to. I have to calibrate you know, my conversation because of who they are and how they process information. These are skills that I don't know I had. I, I'm not sure I have you know, totally mastered it, but the idea is I, to be a leader and to motivate others you know, go out and find mentors and actually realize these are not soft skills, like just being a nice guy or, you know, th th those skills are very important. You need them, but they're not going to let you do that kind of leadership. So uh, I would say the one thing I would teach myself is leadership is a technical skill that you need on top of those things. You need to be a nice guy. You need to have a great personality. You need to be respected. You need to have good ethics, good morals, but you also need to acquire leadership skills um, that are very technical almost. And I think that's the part where, and some of these skills goes back to a word you used earlier, needs a process. I can just come, I cannot be a leader and come and tell you amazing things. I have a, unless I have a process for follow through, mm -hmm consistent all through. So to me, I really think that there are, you know, some core soft skills that, of course, you build on. But I really appreciate right. what you talked about is learning from mentors and also looking at the end portion. So I want to move to a very fun question. Okay? At the end of this interview, you open your email and you find an evite. The evite has put you in charge of a meeting. And this will be a meeting of an 18-year-old Jonathan, a 100-year-old Jonathan, and you. So you have the task of deciding where the meeting would happen. So I need to know where you would decide to get 18-year-old Jonathan and 100-year-old Jonathan and you together. And secondly, in that event, what would be one thing each one of them will say, the 18, you, and the 100-year-old? What would they say to me? Yeah. 
And first is where would you make the meat? Where would you arrange them? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, my 18-year-old. Um, oh, knowing when I was 18. Um, if I, I mean, I, I was a diehard baseball fan, so I would say maybe in Wrigley Field and in, in the bleachers somewhere. But that's what that's where my mind was when I was 18. But no, seriously, I mean, anywhere private would be good. But uh, and what would he say to me? He would he would probably ask me, you know, hey, is all this hard work that we're embarking on, you know, is, is it going to pay off? Because when you're 18 and you're thinking about being pre-med and looking at, you know, 13 years of studying in front of you, uh, you know, you, you're like, what's on the other side of that? You know, okay, so I'm, I'm committing my, because, you know, when you go into medicine, you know, yeah, I had four years of college, four years of med school, three years of residency, three years of fellowship. That's a long commitment. And I'm sure that 18 year old would want to know, like, hey, what's on the other side of this? Like, uh, is any of this going to be worth it? I'm, I'm not going to, you know, frat parties, and I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing that, because I'm studying. Uh, like, <laughs> what's the payoff? Like, what's it going to be like? And how about the hundred-year-old? What would he ask you or tell you? Oh, to tell me. Oh, wow. Uh, I think you know, as you get older, you're you're like, um, you know, he'd probably say, uh, you know, maybe he would say, you know, all that hard work was good because as as you you know, you you get older. Um, you know, you can focus on things that really interest you, not things you just have to do, but things you want to do. And if you play your cards right, I think, you know, he would probably say good, you know, hopefully good work for, you know, doing all the half to stuff. So when you get older, you can pick what you want to do and, and focus on what you really want to do, not what you have to do. Uh, and I think that's the journey most of us take as we get older. So probably if I, if I, did everything correctly he'd probably say yeah that's great that you you know worked hard and and you know allowed an older version of me to pick and choose the passions and projects that you want to get involved in thank you so Terry, this was an amazing conversation thank you for sharing from the heart and you know i had a lot of questions i had about understanding how you operate and what has made you successful? Because just reading your bio, it was impressive. But getting to know who the person is, how you think, and simple things of how to honor the trust, making healthcare more Amazonics, like really helps me understand. And these are universal learnings. Thank you. No, thank you. It's been a big honor. Thanks for having me. So as a final thought is, because I answered every question of yours, is there any question you have for me? That's only fair if you have a question. Well, at, when we get offline, I want to know who gave you those comments. That's not, that's I'm really interested, but I'll ask you. That's the pay-per-view part, and we'll get to that. So okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I am really curious. I, I'm thinking uh, it was my mom and some. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, uh, but uh, no, I mean, it, it's interesting because I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts, and you, you get to um, hear so many different perspectives from different people who are uh, you know, making an impact. And uh, as someone who's asking all these questions from all these different people, do you, do you find a common thread among all of them? Or is each one like a separate story? 
Now, I want to take you back to Kolkata, Calcutta, India. Mm -hmm. We had a big soccer field, but lunchtime, there would be 50 different soccer matches going on in different directions. We would put our lunch boxes to create goals. Everybody had their own soccer playing in different directions. The reason I bring that is, as I talk to people, I realize in this race, all of us are on the same field. Everybody is running in different directions because everybody's win is different. Winning big means different things to different people. But the common thing about everybody is every leader comes in ready to win with the clarity of the goal and what it takes. Nearly every leader explains to me that the journey from before you get into the field and once you get in is never the same. How they adjust once they're on the field is what makes them successful. And that's what fascinates me, whether I talk to a 17-year-old entrepreneur to somebody who has just retired mm -hmm. from an amazing nonprofit, mm -hmm. is different paths, different goals, but it's always the heart. So, I like that. So thank you. Really appreciate this and truly an honor. Thank you again. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.